Um, if you can turn to Matthew chapter 13, I'm going to go fast. I'm speaking for the next couple of weeks, so I'm going to um, have, uh, I, I will unpack this as we go along. Um, hands up, you can remember what the theme is here for this year. Anybody? Planted, it's from Psalm 92. Those who are planted in the house of the Lord will thrive in the courts of their God. Even in old age, they will still bear fruit and stay fresh and green. Isn't that a great psalm? Those who are planted in the house of the Lord will thrive in the courts of their God. Psalm 1 says, blessed is the man who is planted, everyone say planted, by streams of living water which yield their fruit in season. Whatever he does, prospers. And today I want to talk about, and I, I struggled for a while what to call this message because at the beginning of the year I talked a lot about pot. And we broke pots. And this one, this message is a lot about weed, but I can't just call it weed because then you'll think I'm the pastor with the drug problem. I'm not the pastor with the drug problem. Um, but this message isn't about pot, but it's, it is about weed. And we'll go there in a minute. Um, but the title of this message is called The Power of Seed in the Presence of Weed. The Power of Seed in the Presence of Weed. This is all very just fresh. It's been in me, in my spirit for the last few weeks, and I'm just going to discharge it. I know we haven't got a lot of time left today, but I just wanted to instruct us and say hi and just tell you what's going on. But Matthew chapter 13, tell me when you're there. Matthew chapter 13, there's no more swishing of the pages anymore. Matthew chapter, everybody's got electronic devices. Matthew chapter 13, Matthew chapter 13, and I'm reading, this is, I'm reading from verse um, 24, Jesus told another parable, the kingdom of heaven is like the man who sowed good seed. Everyone say good seed. Good seed into his field. Everyone say his field. But while everyone was asleep, the enemy came and sowed weeds amongst the wheat and went away. When the wheat sprouted, it formed heads, and then, then the weeds were also, also appeared. The owner's servants came to him and said, Sir, didn't you sow good seed into your field? Where then did the weeds come from? An enemy has done this, he replied. The servants asked him, do you want us to go and pull them up? No, he answered, because while you're pulling up weeds, you may root up the wheat with them. Let them grow together until harvest time. At that time, I will tell the harvesters first to collect the weeds, tie them into bundles and burn them, then gather the wheat and put them into the barn. This is one of the very few times in Scripture that we see Jesus exegete his own text. This is the parable of the wheat and the tares. How many of you have ever heard a message on the wheat and the tares? Some of you, a few of you, not very many of you. But here's, here's the seven things that Jesus explains about this passage, this parable in Matthew chapter 13. Number one, that God is the farmer. Number two, that the field is the world. Number three, the good seed is you and me. It's the church. Everyone say good seed. Isn't it good to know that we're good seed? Number four, the weeds are those who belong to the devil. Number five, the enemy is the devil who plants the weeds. Number five, the harvest is the end of the world. And number seven, the harvesters are the angels. So this seed is called wheat. Everyone say wheat. 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 And here, God, who is the farmer, sows good seed, which was wheat, into the ground. You can't change seed. You can't change a seed from being wheat to potatoes, if that's seed. You just can't. You, it's, if it's, it's, whatever seed it is in the beginning, that's the seed it will be in the end. The ground cannot change the seed. 
when it went into the ground, it was wheat. When it comes up out of the ground, it's wheat. If you bake it, it's wheat. If you mix it, it's wheat. If you boil it, it's wheat. If you broil it, it's wheat. If you make pizza out of it, it's wheat. Everyone say wheat. Wheat. So the farmer who is God sows good seed, which is you and me, which in this case was wheat, into the ground. That's you and me. We have our heavenly father's seed. Is that true? In the natural, first the natural, then the spiritual. In the natural, we have our earthly father's seed. There's no kids in the room, so I'll take it a little bit further just so I know you're all with me. That a male produces uh, 1,500 of these seeds per second. Okay? That is 290 million of those seeds a day. That's 500 billion in a lifetime. I did the math. So if you hear nothing else, you can hear this today, that you were born a winner. Against all odds, you made it. You're the good seed that made it. You made it all the way through to the other side. So no matter what happens, okay, you are good seed. Everyone say, good seed, stay with me. Stay, keep your minds out of the gutter. Okay, good seed, stay with me. Blah, 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 blah. Okay, so we have our father's seed. So we have our natural father's seed. How much more, when we get born again, do we have our heavenly father's seed? Come on, that's good. That's good news right there. We are born, the Bible says, of an incorruptible seed. We're born again. So no matter what happens, we are his son. We're his seed. We're his sons and his daughters. If I'm a happy son, if I'm his son and I'm a happy, then I'm his happy son. If I'm sad, then I'm his sad son. If I'm healthy, then I'm his healthy son. If I'm sick, then I'm his sick son. If I'm wealthy, I'm his wealthy son. If I'm poor, then I'm his poor son. If I'm dead, then I'm his dead son. If I'm resurrected, then I'm his resurrected son. I am my father's son, and so are you. But watch this. How much more are we born of an incorruptible Seed, nothing that can stop you being his son. You were born from above. You were born again. Verse 27, sir, did you not sow good seed into your field? Let me say your field. This is really important because we're going to see this as Jesus uh, pulls this apart. But he says, did you, the worker said, did you not sow good seed into your field? Have you ever gone through life and thought, Lord, what's wrong with me? I thought I was good seed. Why do bad things happen to good people? What's wrong with me? Why are these things happening to me? I want to tell you this morning that you are good seed. And you may be planted in the ground that's full of weeds. We're going to get there in the moment. But no matter what happens around you, you are still good seed. You're still his seed. Why? Because you're born from an incorruptible seed. Stay with me. Stay with me. So... Could it be that we haven't really understood the power of seed in the presence of weed? So often we focus on the weeds and we think, what's wrong with me? How could this possibly happen? I thought when I gave my life to the Lord, nothing bad would happen. But he owns the ground and he put his seed, which is you and me, into the ground. Then an enemy came in the night and planted seeds around the good weeds, around the good seed. And they asked, shall we, who did this, verse 27, and the, Jesus answered in verse 28, an enemy has done this. Verse 29, shall we go and pull them up? To which Jesus says, watch this, no, let them grow 
together, leave them alone. Everyone say, leave them alone. I'm going fast because I'm running out of time this morning. But I just want you to know, for some of you right now, you're going through situations where you know you're born again. You know you're loved by God. You know you're born of an incorruptible seed. You're moving in the gifts of the Spirit. But you are surrounded by weeds and it's freaking you out. And you're saying to yourself, why is this happening to me? And just like the workers, they said, shall we go at this time and pull them out? And Jesus said, no, leave them alone. Don't touch them. Why? Because if you pull up that which is good, bad, you'll ruin that which is good. So often in life, when we go after the mess, if we just try and pull up the, we- the-, the weeds, we pull up the things that we don't like, it will actually mess up the thing that we do like. When we pull up what is bad, it messes up that which is good. So Jesus says, no, leave it alone. I will deal with this at harvest time. Now, this is going to take a couple of weeks to unpack because what I don't want you to think is every time the enemy attacks me, every time, then I just need to say, leave it alone. And I'm going to just let them grow together. There are t- we need to know the ploys of the enemy. We need to know how to fight and we need to know when to fight and we need to know what we are fighting. Amen. This is the world that we live in right now. Remember, you are good seed. You and me are good seed, but we live in a world where there is lots of weed. The devil will always tack the seed. He always has. In Genesis, he went after the seed. It's really interesting to me that he said to Eve, he says, the serpent said to, to, to um, Adam and Eve, he says, did God really say that? When they said, the Lord God said, the Lord God said, the serpent takes away the word Lord and says, did God really say that? He was attacking the seed, which is the word, Greek word sperma. It's the Greek word for the word of God. The enemy will attack the living word of God, the seed that is alive. That's why, think it not strange when, when God speaks to you prophetically and there's, a, there's an attack on your seed. There's an attack on the prophetic word that God has said to you. And you, sometimes you get choked up with, with, with weed. And did God really say that? Maybe it's a timing issue. Rather than saying, I know, I was born from above. I'm born of incorruptible seed. Do you remember Pharaoh? Kill the baby. Kill the baby. Don't kill the firstborn. Kill the seed. Why? Don't let the dreams become a reality. They will become too great for us. The enemy always goes after the seed. We were born of an incorruptible seed. Everyone say incorruptible. It's important that you know, church, the devil cannot take you out because you were born of an incorruptible seed. Do you remember the dialogue with Job? Now, first of all, as a disclaimer, this is Old Covenant. This is Old Testament. But there's this dialogue between God and the devil. And he says, have you considered my servant Job? There's no one like him in all the earth. He's a man who fears God and shuns evil. And the serpent says to God, he says, yeah, but that's just because you put a hedge of protection around him and everything that he has. Take away the protection, and then we'll see what happens. And God says, very well, take away the protection. You can take away the hedge, but on the man himself, you may not touch. Why? On the man himself. Everyone say himself. On the seed, on the, the man himself. See, we serve a triune God, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. We are triune beings, spirit, soul, and body. It is our spirit man that is born of an incorruptible seed. Amen? That's the part that's born again. On the man himself, you may not touch. We're born of an incorruptible seed. So even God wouldn't let the devil with Job, although he lost everything. On the man himself, you may not touch. We're now under a new and we're under a better covenant. (laughs) Hallelujah. We're under a better covenant. 
So Jesus is talking to an agrarian culture, and crops gave farmers their value. The crops, the field, gave farmers their worth. It's what they traded with. The crops that the ground produced gave them their net worth. It's not just like, oh, seed time and harvest sowing and reaping, so I've got something to eat. No, this was their real estate. These were their jobs. This was their worth. So we are his, oh, come on. We are his seed in his field. So really, the battle is actually, watch this, is the battle really going on in the world today is really between the devil and God. Why? Because it's his field. He sowed good seed, which is you and me, into his field. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. So, so we live in a world that belongs to God. But the enemy has planted weeds around the good seed. But really, the battle is the Lord's. The battle is the Lord's. It's, we wrestle not against flesh and blood. I'm going to get there in a minute. I'm, going to get, I'm rushing against myself because it's nearly 12 o'clock. Do I have 15 more minutes? Do we, what time do we finish? I'm going to finish at 12.15. Is that okay? And then we're going to pick this up part two next week, and we're just going to smash this out. All right. So this is actually uh, the attack is against the owner, the owner's field, and the owner's seed. It's against the owner, the owner's field, and against the owner's seed. God owns the world. He owns the seed, which is you and me. And the enemy always attacks the seed. Kill the baby. Don't let the dreams become a reality. So the more the wheat, the more the fear. Why? The greater the value, the greater the attack. The greater the value, the greater the attack. Some of you right now are going under attack. You feel under attack emotionally, mentally, spiritually, physically, and all the other illies. Think it not strange. The greater the value, the greater the attack. No one, no, no one, no thief breaks into a homeless shelter. No thief breaks into a house that is empty. He's after value. So think it not strange when you face the fiery darts of the enemy, it says in 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 12 through 19. Think it not strange. Don't think it's strange when you face these fiery darts of the enemy. Amen. All right, in fact, for the sake of time, I'm going to go fast. Ready? I have three points. You ready? John's leaving. Ready? Number one. Ready? Everyone say number one. Stay with me. Stay with me. Number one. Uh, these are all do nots, okay? Do not. Number one, do not be surprised. Say that with me. Do not be surprised. Do not be surprised by the enemy. Do not be surprised. That all start with do not. Do not. Here's the text. You can look at yourself. I'll have these up for next week. 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 12 through 9, it says this. Think it not strange when you face the fiery darts of the enemy. Another translation says, don't be surprised. In other words, come on, church. Don't be surprised. You are powerful. You are alive. You have the spirit of the living God living inside of you. You are the hope of glory. All creation is waiting with eager expectation for the sons of God to be revealed. All creation is waiting for you. Who are the sons of God? The seed that's in the world. All creation is waiting for you. Therefore, don't think it's strange when the enemy plants weeds all around you. What we need to know is how powerful the seed is in the presence of weed. 
and keep seeding and keep knowing that I am alive. So don't think it's strange. Don't think it's strange. Don't think it's strange. No, John O. Uh, Pingator, sitting down here next to Fee with his wife, Debs. We've got a, a mutual friend named Steve Wilkins. And Steve is from Canada. And uh, Steve t- said this to me one time. We, were, we were le- recently just did a conference together, and I was reminding him of this story. And, um, and uh, then I said, Steve, do you remember you told me one time that a prophet said to you, in this next season you're about to enter, the enemy is gonna, uh, God is going to allow an enemy into your life not to harm you, but to train you. I'm like, really, Steve? Sure about that? I don't even know what I think about that. I'm not even sure if that's biblical. What? <laughs> and you know, I went away and did a study because I was just fascinated. But you know, Jesus says, I will send you out like lambs amongst wolves. And as the more study, I got revelation on this, but I realized that what Steve, this word from God, actually had a lot of biblical precedence, but it was actually really, really powerful. That God will actually allow into his life an enemy in to his camp, not to harm him on the man himself you may not die, but to train him. You know, the psalmist says he trains my hands for battle and my fingers for war. Sometimes it gets really up close and personal. Sometimes that's really what we're fighting up against. I think I brought this out recently, but it's fascinating to me that in Matthew chapter 16, which is the very first mention of the word church, it's where there's a dialogue between Jesus and the disciples. And he says, who do the people say I am? And they said, some say Elijah, some say one of the prophets. prophets. And, uh, and he says to Peter, Peter, what about you? Who do you say that I am? And he says, you're the Christ. You're the son of the living God. And Jesus praises Peter. In Matthew chapter 16, he says, well done, Pete. Good job. This has not been revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my Father in heaven. And on this rock, I'll build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail. And he gives them the keys to the kingdom. Do you remember that? So pretty cool if you're Pete in front of all the disciples. Good job, man. This has not been revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my Father in heaven. And on that same passage, the same passage, it says that Peter pulled him aside and said, as because Jesus started to talk to them all about the reason he came was to, to die on the cross and raise on the third day. And Peter says, may this never happen. And Jesus turns around. And he says, Peter, get behind me, Satan, for you do not have the things of God in your heart. And I think I've brought this out before, but it's such a powerful thing during this time and just studying about this that I found it fascinating that Jesus called, Jesus called Peter Satan, but he called Judas my friend. Judas walks into Jesus and he told the the guards, he says, and the soldiers, the one I kiss, that's the sign, that's the one you're to arrest. And when he walked in, Jesus looked at Judas. Judas, the one who's two seconds away from betraying him, and he says, Judas, my friend, what are you going to do? Do it fast. Why? Because an enemy is anyone or anything that will hinder you from fulfilling God, the destiny that God has on your life. I'll say that again. An enemy is anything or anyone that will hinder you from fulfilling the call of God on your life. That's why he called Peter Satan and he called Judas my friend. Because Peter was, was hindering him doing the very thing that Jesus came to do, which was to die on the cross and rise again on the third day. And Judas was actually helping him. That's why he said, my friend, number one, don't be surprised. Number two, Do not. Everyone say, do not. I'm going to land this thing on time. Do not be moved. Acts chapter 20. I won't turn there now. This is, this is, uh, this is, in fact, I'm going to turn there. Come on. I'm just going to do it fast. This is so good. All right. Oh, 
Acts chapter 20, verse, Acts chapter 20, verse 22. And now compelled by the Spirit, I'm going to Jerusalem, not knowing what happened to me. The only thing that I know for sure that the Holy Spirit has warned me that prison and hardship are facing me. This is a great thing for this great man of God, Paul, to know. The only thing I know for sure is when I get to the place that I need to be going to, hardship and prison, imprisonment await me. And then he says this, but none of these things move me. Why? Because he's planted. So, number two, do not be moved. None of these things move me. An oak tree is an acorn that held its ground. Don't be moved by life. Don't be moved by people. Don't be moved by circumstance. A man without conviction is the mercy of circumstance. And if circumstances cause us to change our convictions, they were never convictions in the first place. Church, as we be rooted in this time, you feel, you feel pummeled, you feel tested. You feel like surrounded by weeds. I don't know what's happening. Know that your good seed, you're planted in his field, which he owns. And the battle really is not against you and the enemy. It's against God and the enemy because the battle is the Lord. So I just want to tell you, you know, when you're in times of darkness, only in prison, all I know is imprisonment waits me. That's dark. That's a dark place. Prisons were dark. In fact, in Paul and Silas, it says they were in, in an inner cell, which is what psychologists would call, would call depression today. It's when we're in those darkness, you know, negatives are formed or developed in darkness. God will take our negatives and he will develop them. I've said this before, but God is more interested in developing us than delivering us. And often God, we say, God, take me out. And he says, no, I'm going to leave you in because I want Christ to be fully formed in you. God is committed for Christ to be full, fully formed in you. But I want you to know, anyone who's gone through a rough time, you've gone through the valley of the shadow of death. And just hearing through some of the stories through text, which I so appreciate. Sometimes it's the middle of the night and I can't sleep because I'm somewhere and I'm jet lagged and I hear praise reports or, or someone asking to prayer. Or, and some of you, <laughs> I, I call back because it's early hours of the morning but, and I just can't sleep anyway. But it's so, it's, it's so powerful and I, uh, to, 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 to hear of God's people. And here's the thing, that it, even when we go through dark times, like a dark room, where the negative is being developed, what we need to know is the picture's been taken. The picture of your life has already been taken. He's the Alpha and the Omega. He's the first and the last. He's the beginning and the end. Gethsemane means the place of the crushed. When you are under pressure, what comes out? Does oil come out? When someone crushes you, when someone squashes you, does oil come out or does bitterness come out? Does oil come out or does anger come out? Gethsemane means the place of the crushed. Life will make you bitter, or life will make you better. Diamonds are formed under pressure. And number three, finally, brother, I'm going to finish on time. I have six minutes. Hallelujah. Number three, do not. Everyone say, do not. Do not wage war as the world does. Do not wage war. Paul says this in Corinthians. He says, we do not wage war as the world does. On the contrary, the weapons that we fight with are not carnal, but they have power. Everyone say power, power. to demolish strongholds. Can I say that you may be facing stuff in your jobs. You may be facing stuff physically. You may be facing stuff relationally. 
You may be stuff, facing stuff financially. Whatever you're facing, I want you, to, to, I want you to, to, to really get this today, that we our wrestle is not against flesh and blood. And it's so quick and easy to attack people. Don't do that. But war, take it first of all to God and start warring. Just start praying in the Spirit. Start praying in the Spirit. Stuff shifts. And if, even if stuff, if stuff doesn't shift, stuff shifts in you. And the thing that seemed like an obstacle not just now seems like a speed dump bump and you actually get air off it. You're like, wow, that just doesn't bother me anymore. I just, none of these things move me. I'm not going to be moved by these things. Our wrestle is not against flesh and blood, but principalities of darkness. Listen, the weapons we fight with have divine power. I meditated on this the other day to demolish strongholds. I don't know about you, but I meditate on the word when I'm driving. I just think of a scripture and then I look it up. When I pull over. Thank you, Jesus. And uh, I was driving. I was, it was a snow day in, in, the, in the southwest of England. And I went and saw Andrew Hughes. And I spent two days with him. And then I went up to see another couple in the Midlands. And then I went to see another couple. And then I drove all the way up north to a place called Bradford, England. And they were, they were like, why are you here? Like, I thought it was snowing down south. I'm like, yeah, but we're from Chicago. And, you know, in Chicago, this isn't going to stop anyone going to church. Three inches of snow, really? <laughs> Mind you, I did get caught on a hill. Like, I'm, somebody gave me this old family van, and it was, you know, I'd pull, go to the top, and you know, I'd take my foot off the gas and just keep pulling my way to the top. And then I got to the top, it was too steep. So I slid all the way back down past all the people I'd passed. So I said, I'm just coming to help you. And then I guess kept sliding. So, no, no, I'll get the other one first. And then, then I was at the bottom. Anyway. But I, I was picking up Tom Kyle from the airport. So I drove around into London. I'm going to finish on time. And, uh, um, and, uh, and I, I started thinking, there's a scripture. It says, and the Holy Spirit rested and remained. Rested and remains. That's the one. The one whom, of whom the Holy Spirit rests and remains. And I looked up. It was John the Baptist talking about Jesus. The anointing is, watch for the anointing on the one who it rests and remains. And I, that just undid me. I, I, Tom walked straight past me. I was just in, in Heathrow, you know, in the greeting thing. And I was just messed up looking at my phone going, I've never seen that before. Those who remain. There's something about the anointing and remaining in the anointing. But anyway, I've only got three minutes left, so that doesn't really matter. So um, let them grow together. Everyone say, let them grow together. Whew. If you always try to fix what's wrong, then you will break that which is right. Can I just say for you leaders, for you, thanks bud, for, for leaders, for hearts, don't just be Mr. Fix-It. Don't control stuff. Let it go. Just let stuff go. There's a principle in here, I'll unpack it more next week, of what this actually means. But some things, we've just got to let it go. And just let God be God and let things flow and let things swell and let things overflow. Let water break its banks and just be a marvel at what God is doing. I said this earlier, but great things happen when we don't care who gets the glory. Watch for the I factor. Watch for this. I did this. I did this. It was when I, 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 I. Shut up and just let God be God. Just say, God, it's all about you. We just love you. I just don't care. I just want to be in the room when you move. Amen. Unity is not uniformity. It's the celebration of diversity. Don't wear yourself out on things that just doesn't matter. 
Don't wear your things out. Some things, just let it go. Let it be. Let them grow together. Lord, do you want us at this time to go and pull out the weeds? No. Leave them alone. And in harvest time, at the end of the time, at the end of the age, the harvest is the end of the age. The harvest is of the angels. I'll bundle them together. You know, God will bundle ISIS together. He'll bundle the Taliban together. He will bundle those who are against him together. Let God do it. Let God do it. In the meantime, we need to know that we're powerful seed. We need to, in the meantime, we need to know who we are. We need to know whose we are. That it doesn't matter come hell or high water, I'm standing firm because I'm planted in his field. And yes, the enemy has planted weeds, but I'm good seed. I'm born of an incorruptible seed. I'm born again. I'm born above, born from above. And I'm born of a heavenly father that thinks I'm amazing. And all creation is waiting for eager expectation, with eager expectation for me and for you, the sons of glory, to rise and shine. Amen. Let's stand together. It's 12.15. <laughs> just lift your hands to the Lord, will you? Father, I just thank you so much for this house. I thank you for my family, Lord. I thank you, Lord, for what you're doing in each one of our lives. And God, I thank you in this room right now. You know better than we know what's going on in our hearts. You know the challenges that we face. Lord, you know every ache, you know every pain, you know every sore, you know every fear, you know the things that you need to touch. And God, wherever this word finds anyone today, God, I ask that this word, like seed, would take root and bear fruit and bear fruit that will remain in Jesus' mighty name. And everybody says, Amen. Come on, Jim. Love you, church.